Welcome to Chapel Grace. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Amen. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken my fear doesn't stand a chance when I
right. Good morning, Chapel Grace. So glad you guys are here. Thank you, Dee. I appreciate that. I like that. All right. So we just want to welcome you guys. Um, if it's your first time, we do have um, the cards in front of the pew um, that we'd love to have you fill out. Or there's also a, uh, it's not a barcode, a QR code. I can think of the right word. On your, um, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's been a crazy long morning already. Yes. Um, on your, your, flyer thing, things, yeah, yeah. Anyway, fill those out, <laughs> give us your information. We would just love to get to know you guys a little better, and I really do mean that, <laughs> even though I'm a, you know, a little out of it this morning. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to go over a, a few quick announcements with you guys. Um, so again, that um, QR scanner code um, will take you to our new app that is through Church Center. Um, and that on that, you can see all the events coming up, um, register for those events. Um, you can see all the small groups that are happening. Um, and, and all that information is right on there. So I know sometimes, for me, I know personally, if it's not on my phone, on my calendar, I'm not going to remember. So make sure you guys do that and get all that information. And that way you guys know what's going on. Um, and then Growth Track will begin again May 7th. Um, if you haven't done Growth Track, I just highly recommend that you sign up for that. Um, whether you're brand new to the church or uh, maybe you've been coming for a little while, but you just, you've never gone through that and you just want to know a little bit more, it's just a great thing. Um, it just takes you from um, showing you or telling you, you know, what we believe, why we believe it. It takes you through helping you find your spiritual gifts, the areas that God has gifted you in, and how to use those gifts and getting you plugged in into different ministries in the church. Um, so make sure you, there is a sign-up sheet out on the back table, or you can come and let me know, or just show up at 10 a.m., and I'll greet you guys, and we'll go back to the classroom back here and get started. Um, and then today... Um, if you guys are here, and I see a lot of um, CHUSD employees already, so I want to say welcome. We're so glad you guys are here, and we want to honor um, all of the CHUSD employees um, through an appreciation luncheon. So it's going to be right after the service. We're going to be in the gym, um, and if you didn't let anybody know you were coming, that's okay, we're prepared, we have plenty, but we just want to be able to um, just show you how much you guys are appreciated. Um, and then on Tuesday, um, that's April 25th, MOPS will be meeting at 6 p.m., um, and they're going to be speaking on communication is key, um, which is so important, and child care will be provided. And then next Sunday... Um, evening is Fifth Sunday Sing, um, so that's just when all of the different churches come together. Um, we have a great time of worship, and it's going to be at the First Southern Baptist Church um, this time, this month, So, um, and that's over on Washington Street, um, so we would just love to have you guys join us um, for all of that, and, um, and then just to let you guys know, if you want to give 
to this ministry, which those of you who do, we're so thankful. And I want to thank you so much for keeping um, the Lord's ministry going. Um, and so if you'd like to give, again, there's the tithe and offerings box there in the back. You can drop it in there. You can text to give. Um, it's really simple. You just text 84321. You text that number and just um, give your tithes that way. Um, or you can do it through the church app. So, um, and if you guys ever need any help with that, you can always ask. And um, Axiel um, is the one who kind of gets all that, keeps all that running, all the church app and all that fun stuff. So um, let us know if you have any questions, and we're going to continue worshiping. Please stand with us. If you would, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we desire to worship you this morning. And uh, we come to you, Lord, not just with our voices, but we come to you with our hearts. We come to you with our minds. We desire to dwell on the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. Doing that renews us, Lord. It, it makes us right. And so I just pray for everyone in this room, including our, ourselves up here, that you would be worshipped, that you would be adored. God, that we would find ourselves, our hearts and our minds, being made right as we dwell on and sing to one another these truths about you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy, I should come to him. Jesus said if I am weak, I should come to him.
Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come to me. And he showed me on that cross, he will come to me. For the Lord is good and faithful, he will keep us We'll be there 
Forgiven. We're forgiven. The 
he's alive. Can you hear me okay? Should I put this thing up higher? Higher. There it is. Not deeper, higher, right? Um, anyway, so today, let's go ahead and pray before we get started. It's one of those mornings to where, you know, I have a million things on my mind and then one thing on my mind. So let's just go ahead and pray and uh, zero in on what God wants for us this morning. Father, I just thank you for uh, the fact that, that Jesus lives. Lord, that's what our messages have been centered around the last several weeks, God, uh, finding hope in his resurrection. And that, that resurrection gives us hope in so many places in our life. And Father, definitely in those times when we feel we're alone, all we do is need to turn to you and, and recognize and understand that you're always there. Even when we think, where are you? Or why haven't you been here? Or if you had been here, God, I don't know. All those questions, all those thoughts, all those things that go through our mind, the loneliness that we tend to find ourselves in, the, 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 to, the things we have to endure, the trials, the temptations, the sorrow, the grief, all of that's part of this fallen world too. And so, Father, but through your resurrection, there is hope. Through your resurrection, Jesus, there is grace. There's goodness, there's kindness, and there's life. I pray for everyone in this room. Uh, so many people uh, may not be here today because they're not feeling well for whatever reason. I pray for them that you bring them back to us safely. Uh, maybe something happened on the way here or just before they were going to come. Who knows, Lord? You do. That's who knows. So I pray, Father, that it's never too late that they would be drawn to church today, God, or else at least get on and watch it with us as we, as we worship together. And Lord, I pray for this service this morning. I pray that you would empty me of myself, fill me with you, so that when I preach, God, the words would be clear and understandable and what you would want to be said. And uh, Lord, not that I want to, say, want to say something so much as you want to say something through me. And uh, Father, I'm just thinking about so many different people, so many different friends, and so many people I know personally that are going through a lot of stuff right now. And God, sometimes we lose hope. Sometimes we don't see the finish line. Sometimes we think it's impossible. But God, it's not with you. And so, Lord, I pray again as I did for this service this morning. Thank you for the powerful worship today. I pray that we would continue in worship to you through your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, amen. So today, as I said, I'm continuing Resurrection Hope. I won't be here next week, and you'll have, the, you'll have Jared speaking in my spot next week. I'm going to be going to a marriage conference, that marriage conference in uh, Ventura. almost forgot where it was at, in Ventura. And so it'll be just one week that I'll be gone, but then I'll come back and finish my Resurrection Hope series um, but this is something that I've been thinking about, the, this resurrection hope. It's something that after Easter, you know, we always talk, Easter's like this big buildup. You know, you get, you get there and you get in and get there, and then you talk about Jesus rising from the dead, and then you've got to kind of find some things afterwards. So I felt like I wanted to do a message, a series that would continue right after Easter rather than complete, complete on Easter, so it began on Easter. Uh, because, you know, we all need hope, right? And we all need the hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, without that, we would have zero hope. Without that, we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't need to be here. So there would be no reason for it. 
And so I'm honored that you chose Chapel Grace as your place to worship today with us. And I'm honored that if you're online watching us, I'm honored that you chose to get online and watch it with us too, or whenever it is that you, you tune in. Um, whether you're a regular, regular attender or this is your first time or you're off and on or whatever. You see, because life's greatest challenges can only be faced together through Jesus. Amen? Uh, and some of you right now are going through some of, the, some of the most incredible challenges you've ever gone through in your life. Some of it's sorrow, some of it's grief, some of it's illness, some of it's whatever it could be. But Jesus is always there. And I think it's Toby Mac who sings a song. He says, he's never late, he's never early, he's never late. Talking about how Jesus is always on time. He's always there when he should be, when he needs to be. He's never early, he's never late. He's right there when he needs to be. So we talked about Mary Magdalene going to the grave on the first, on the first one. And then last week we continued with people coming to the grave with G Peter and, and all those different things. But today is a, is a completely, not different story, it's just it's a different place that it takes, I guess. It's still John, the book of John, which uh, is a really great book. So while I'm talking, you can go ahead and open your book to John chapter 11 and just stay there. We're going to be in John chapter 11 pretty much the whole morning, unless God brings another verse in here or there. But uh, that'll only happen if the Spirit of God tells me to do that. You see, the Gospels are so full of stories. And, and I know that I've asked myself before, God, why weren't you here? If you had been right here, when I when, obviously he was there. But I asked myself, I feel like you weren't here. Or maybe you've been like, you, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I loved playing baseball. And one of my biggest things was, my dad was my coach, but a couple times he wasn't my coach. Or my mom was never my coach, but she would come. I would want her to come. And uh, I just remember looking out and looking for my mom and my dad. Well, my dad would be on the side, would be there in a coaching place. But my mom sometimes couldn't make it. And you know, you're looking out there, and you're like, man, I'm not going to do very good. My mom's not here, whatever. I don't know about you guys, but, and, and then you kind of get sad, and you're like, then you don't do very well, right? And then you're like, mom, if you had been here, maybe I would have done better. Obviously, it's not her fault. But you look at people, and you rely on some things, right? I rely on our Lord Jesus for everything in my life, uh, everything that happens. Uh, and I, I don't blame him for the bad things. I don't blame him for anything, because a lot of the things that happen in my life happen because, well, I probably did something or I stepped out of tune, or whatever, or it's, there's a purpose behind it. I call it bad, but Jesus says, no, this is good for you to learn through. I want you to get this. And so, when we complain about things, we, we kind of lose sight of how amazing our Lord is. I've told you this story before about my, my good friend Melvin. His name was Tater. And you remember Tater, Miss Kelly? <laughs> He was, a, he was as short as I am, right? But he was a powerful, he was just a great guy. Had, had his issues throughout his life, and I got to know him. Uh, he was my Uncle Paul's brother. And uh, we got to know each other pretty well in the plumbing company that I worked at, and he would, we would go to lunch together, and he just became a really good friend. Ended up living in the same, I was renting a, a basement from a, a cousin, and he was living there too, and uh, just got to know him super well. And we were hanging out, and I think it was perfect timing because God brought him into my life and the time that I needed him when I was struggling. I was struggling with my faith. I was struggling with what to do. I was struggling whether I was doing the right thing uh, at work, whether I was doing the right thing in church, whether I was like, doing the right thing, period, in my life. And Melvin came along, and he'd had his troubles throughout his life, and uh, some things came out that I didn't know that he went through. He went through some things that uh, he actually was a truck driver and got in an accident, and actually somebody died in the accident. And he was charged for, uh, I think it's called vehicular manslaughter. And I didn't know that. He told me about that, and he had gone to prison. I didn't know that. I was like, wow, this guy, you'd never figure he would be that kind of guy because he was all about the Lord. Not that 
you know, everybody, it's just one of those things. And so he, he just became a really, really good, good friend. Somebody solid. You ever had that person before? You ever had that person that you know that you can call them up or you, can, you know that lunchtime's going to come, he's, we're probably going to go out to lunch together, whatever's going to happen, or if you're just having a rough day, that person's going to be there for you. Well, I just remember one morning I get a phone call. We're, we're, I don't remember where I was at. I get a phone call that uh, Tater's in the hospital and that he's not doing well and then find out, come to find out he had passed away. And that, that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. There was, it was, he was in perfect health. You know what I'm talking about? He was perfect. There was nothing going on. He was older, yes, but I, and I kept asking God, why? why? I need him here. Why would you do that? Why would you take him away? And I never understood why, for, well, I shouldn't say I never understood. I had a hard time then saying, understanding why God would take him home. I, I didn't get it. You know, and now today, fast forward several years later, I see the hand of God and everything, and I understand that God's timing is perfect. And so who knows why or how or what, but Melvin wasn't there for me. Melvin was there for Jesus. And so I kind of go back and forth, Melvin and Tater, his name is Tater, but uh, anyway, I missed him a lot. And so the, I, when he passed away, I cried, obviously. Went to his funeral, I was a pallbearer, and first time I'd ever been a pallbearer. It was amazing uh, as far as doing that. I felt honored, but I also felt very, very, I don't know what the, it's a, it wasn't, it was grief, but it was different. I'm just like, God, I don't understand. So that brings me to a story in the, in the New Testament uh, about a, a guy named Lazarus. You guys probably have heard this story. I know I've preached it before, uh, but it's not a, a boring story whatsoever. So that's why we're going to stay in John chapter 11. So open your Bibles, if you haven't already, John chapter 11. We're going to begin in verses 1 to 7. Now this is, a mo this is one of the most powerful resurrection stories I think is ever that takes place other than Jesus, right? It, it, it brings hope to some people. But at first, at first it doesn't. At first it just brings tragedy. Now, uh, now certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, it that's where he lived, and it was a man, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, him who you love is ill. Him who you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that God, the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary, I'm sorry, and her sister, and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he, spent two, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. And then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea, Judea again. And so we find out that, you know, we're introduced to this family that was very tight with Jesus. Um, we're going to find out some things a little bit later that, that might even, like, whoa, he did that, he, he, whatever. But this family's heart, heartbroken because they've got this beloved person of their family who's not doing well. Very sick. Very, very sick. And they know that Jesus is, is the one who can heal him. They know that Jesus, if once, he's, once he's there, man, Lazarus is as good as good. Again, he's good as gold, I mean. And so they're just waiting for him to come. And so they sent help and said, hey, you know, he's not doing well. Can you please come? And it's, it's obvious that Jesus had a history with this family. If you read about it and you look at it, and, and hopefully you'll go back through this and see, it's not just in this, John, this part in John. There's a, a history before this. Uh, before he was crucified, she is the one who anointed him with oil with her hair before his death. Anointed, and, you know, and that's when uh, all kinds of things happened then. 
But she, she was very special to Jesus. And so was the other two. The, the whole family was. He'd spent time with Mary and Martha in their home. And Lazarus is described as a person who Jesus loves. Who Jesus loved or loves. And the sisters, like I said, they sent word out. Hey, Jesus, can you come? Uh, I know you're out there pretty busy with other people healing him and all those things. I don't know if they said all that, but I'm mad at that. And, uh, but we really could use you here, you know? I really think we need you here. This isn't good. He's not doing well at all. Have you ever begged God for somebody's life? Honestly, have you? I have. Begged and begged and begged. God, please don't let them go. You know what I find out? Sometimes that's more of a selfish act on our part. Um, but it just shows how much we care about that person, I think. So they're begging for Jesus. They didn't, they didn't want anything to happen to Lazarus. So the, the crazy thing about this is when Jesus gets to work, he stays where he's at for a couple more days. He doesn't leave right away because it's a little bit of a travel to get to, to Lazarus. So he, if he wanted to get there quickly, he would have had to leave like right away, like, see y'all, peace out, I'm going to see Lazarus. But he didn't do that. And so he, he stays there. So my question, and anybody else's question would be, why? Why would he do that? Why would he stay longer when he knows that Lazarus is not well? He knows that not something could possibly happen to Lazarus. And, and so here's the reason that it happened that way. And the first point is Jesus sees the bigger picture. Jesus sees everything beyond what we can see. We don't see it like Jesus sees it. He sees all things before they happen. He knows that they're going to happen before they happen. He knew it was going to happen in this case, and I guarantee you he knew that Lazarus was going to die. But, that, but they didn't know that. And so if you continue, Jesus heard it, and he said, this illness will not lead to death. I want to read that to you again. This illness will not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, this is John, the end of John chapter 11, verses 1 to 7. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I wanted to say that again because I wanted you guys to hear that. He loved them. We hear that sometimes. We know that Jesus loves us. Jesus loves, but we, we don't hear about specific people sometimes. We usually hear that he loves you know, the nation of Israel or, or whoever, he lo- and, and he does. So there's this bigger situation going on that anybody can see and realize. And I think all of us have had situations that we found ourselves in that we really needed Jesus to show up in. Think about it for just a minute. I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about that situation that you really needed Jesus to show up in. And it didn't seem like it was exactly the right timing. And so you're wondering where he is. You know, maybe this is one that happens every day. Maybe it was a diagnosis of, some, of somebody in your family or yourself. Something that was pretty bad. Maybe it was something else. Something uh, that you needed healing from. Maybe it was a broken relationship with your family members, with your boyfriend, girlfriend, with your husband or wife or whatever. Uh, and, you know, whatever it was, you're just saying, Jesus, can you just please inter- intervene in this? Just please come. I need you to get in the middle of this. I can't do this. I can't handle this. I can't do anything without you, and I, can't, I certainly can't fix this situation without you. So please, please show up. And so this is where Mary and Martha found themselves. They found themselves in a situation going, they knew they couldn't, absolutely couldn't, do. they didn't have the keys to heaven and hell. They didn't have any of that. I mean, obviously they knew somebody that did. They didn't have the keys to death. They didn't have the keys to life. Jesus did. And so they call out to him. And he seems to be nowhere in sight. He doesn't show up right away. He just doesn't come right away. And, and they don't, they, 
I'm sure they were expecting him to be there sooner than he was. And so the truth is that our timing, as I said before, is, not, is often not God's timing. To God, a day is like a thousand years, right? It, 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 he's, he's God. He can do anything. I mean, he stopped time before. A whole day, as a matter of fact, he's done that. And so he can do anything. And so we see him, he gets word about it, he stays. He's just not there. But the truth about God's timing is, in, in this story, it seems that Jesus, in his all-knowing wisdom, is strategic in his response. He, he had a purpose for this. He had a reason for this. They didn't see it. They didn't know. As I said, Jesus sees the bigger picture. We think we do. We think we've got it, but Jesus sees it for sure. And sometimes maybe that's the reason. We don't see the bigger picture. We only see our little picture like this big. We see what's right in front of us. We see what we want, but we don't see the greater greater picture, the greater good, however you want to say that. And so I believe that in every prayer we pray, Jesus, he does answer it, but sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's, it's no response at all or, or no. And sometimes the answer is not yet. We have to wait. Not yet. I'm not ready for it. And when that happens, we have to go, we have to wonder, well, Jesus, if you'd been here, it wouldn't have gone down like that, right? So each one of our lives is like this, this piece of a puzzle. And every, every life fits into the puzzle differently. So your life fits into a certain part of the puzzle where my life fits into a certain part of the puzzle. And when they come together, we see the whole puzzle, right? Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together without the box, without the, the picture? Pretty, pretty impossible, pretty hard. I've known people that have done it, but it's, the box is there. I mean, the, the picture's there for a reason. And so without that, you're kind of lost, right? And so, but the picture, when it comes together and it's perfectly clear, you see it after a while, you see piece after piece after piece come together and you go, that's amazing. That's such a, a great picture. And it came through these little puzzle pieces. You know, uh, the reason we're like that, we're limited by our inability to see the bigger picture. So when trials and different difficulties arise, it can be really, really heartbreaking. Like beyond heartbreaking. Because we simply can't see the bigger picture. We can't see the hows, the whys, the whats. We don't see them. All we see is what our problem is. At the moment, it just looks like a broken image. Right? Like, like a, a puzzle that you start out with and it's just like a few pieces here and there. Maybe the corners or something. I don't know. You know, to this day, I, I, some days I still don't understand why Tater, Paul, or, sorry, Melvin had to go through what he went through and, how, and why he had to leave when he did. I've accepted it. But a lot of things happened in my life. I grew a lot closer to Jesus because of that. I had to learn more about the scriptures myself. I had to learn to read them in detail for myself. I had to learn to pray without Melvin. And so, in a lot of things I was relying on Melvin for, God said, you're relying too much on a person, I think. That's the only thing I could put together. And other than it was Melvin's timing. You know, God has the perfect timing. God knows when it's supposed to happen. It's not for us to know. It's not your time to go. It's not your time to go. That's up to the Lord. You know, we f I found peace. I should say we, but it was, it was really hard. It took me a while to get over that. So Jesus, but Jesus sees the bigger picture of everything. And one day on the other side, we will all see very, very clearly what he was doing. Even if we don't see it clearly now. And so here we finish. He, he, 
He finally arrives. Lazarus is in the tomb, and he's been buried, and he has already been dead for four days. Four days. And Mary and Martha are, are just beyond troubled. They're distraught. They're like, I just, you know, they're just, whoa, I can't handle this. So picking up in John chapter 11, verse 17, says this. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha, sorry, Martha and Mary, to console them concerning their brother. And so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes and lives, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, when she said this, he, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly to, and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Mary and Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly they, and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to go to the tomb and weep there. Now, when Mary came, came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that? Not those words. Lord, if you'd only been here at this moment, it probably wouldn't have happened. Pretty, pretty audacious for us to say, isn't it? Here they are saying it to, to the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. If you had just been here, why weren't you here, Jesus? I told you ahead of time. We told you he was sick. We sent word to you. You had time to get here. Why didn't you come? I don't understand. But God, but, but Jesus, being who he is, knew the bigger picture, saw the bigger picture. So much more than they could. They were in tunnel vision. You ever had that before? You just, all you can see is what's right, right in front of you. You can't see anything else. And so many gathered to support the family. And as they mourned Lazarus, as they mourned Lazarus passing, and Mary and Martha meet Jesus as he arrives there. They meet him there. I, I can't wait to the day that I actually physically get to see Jesus face to face. I have no idea how I'm going to react. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be that little fanboy, you know, like you see somebody that you're really popular and you're, oh my gosh, or whatever. But I can't wait to see him. Number one, I'm going to understand everything more clearly. I'm going to get what's going, I, I'll understand finally what all these things were about in my life. I'll finally understand. And maybe I just, you know, whatever. I, I'll be like, it's the way it's supposed to be. Because the relationship between humans and God is rarely clean and tidy. And throughout the book of Psalms, we see some of this stuff that happens. You know, we see some of the most emotional writing. I mean, look, look, at, look at the writings between the uh, king and God. They come together and, and the king calls out, 
and, he's, and he cries out. And, and any of, anybody else, too, you can look at throughout the, the, old, the New, New and Old Testament and find people talking to God and crying out, many times in grief. I'm speaking about King David, obviously, so I'm not sure I say his name, King David. King David did some terrible things, had some terrible things happen to him, and he did some terrible things. And I'm sure he asked himself, God, why weren't you? There we are. We're back. Oh, my goodness. I thought I'd check the batteries. Obviously, I'm just preaching too hard. I made them go out. Uh, let me get back to where I was at. This passage that we're le- looking at right here between Mary and Martha is kind of like the King David. Raw, it's raw emotion. Just raw emotion. Um, I'm picturing back to the, to the day my dad... I found out my dad passed away. That was raw emotion. I, I literally fell to, my, to the floor and just lost it. Have you ever done that? Had that happen? Something like that happen? It's usually the death of somebody or something tra- tragic. You know, you get the, the call, and it's usually pretty rough. You see, in both verse 21 and verse 32, Mary and Martha each say the phrase that all of us can relate to. If you had just been here. If you had just been here, Jesus. If you had only been here. Now, the beauty of the Bible is that it's, it's so honest about the complicated relationship between creator and creation. It's, it's pretty amazing. And the relationship between humans is, like I said, never right perfect between God and humans. It will be. But, you know, we still are, are hindered by our own selfishness and our own pride and our own sin in our life. And sometimes we have times of joy, and sometimes we have times of sadness and broken hearts. And this is exactly where Mary and Martha find themselves. If only you had been here. Now the next part is, is uh, I want you to hear something about this. This is something that some people say you can't do this or whatever. I don't know who it is that says it all the time, but I used to hear it. Um, but Jesus, let me say it like this, Jesus is not afraid of your feelings. He's not afraid of what you're thinking. Sometimes we feel like we can't just yell out. Because if we do, he's going to be so angry with us because we misspoke or, or whatever. Jesus was not mad at Mary and Martha for what they said. He wasn't mad at all about that. You see, they're upset. They're confused. They're in anguish. And he just kind of understands. And they once hoped that Jesus would come and turn things around. And then they lost all that hope because they, he didn't show up on time. Or so they thought. And so, what I love about this story is that Jesus never, ever, ever, ever reprimanded these, these two ladies. He never said, you're whatever. You know what he did? He showed them love instead. 
He gave them comfort instead. He reminds them that for those who place their faith and hope in him, in Christ, death isn't the end. It's not the end. And he reminds them as a, as, as a foreshadowing of the Easter miracle that he is the resurrection and the life. He is it. And so he comforts them with this thought, with this, this unknowing, this knowledge. And as they lay their raw pain before him. So don't be afraid to speak to God. Don't be afraid to call out to God with honesty from your heart. Allow yourself to be vulnerable to him. You don't, you don't have to be Superman. I know that when we lose people, we think we have to be strong for our families. But God says, opens his arms wide and says, pour it out to me. You know, when we, when we begin to live, well, let me say it like this. You ever heard of somebody, somebody says, well, they have thick skin. You need to have thick skin. Somebody, whatever. Jesus has thick skin. He can handle what you say. He can. And when we become uh, vulnerable, Jesus, you may not believe this, but Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. Yes, he does. And so when we begin to live with this kind of honesty, I think that when we begin to be, that's when we begin to experience resurrected hope. We start to understand that our hope comes in the faithfulness of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and what he did. It really changes things. It's where we experience true hope, true joy. We discover that the loss we've experienced is not the end. Whatever happened, that's not the end. Sometimes, in many cases, it's just the beginning, right? And so we discover those things, and the Bible tells us God will use everything in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He'll use it all. And, for, and that's for his glory and his ultimate good. So... Talk to God about how you feel. Talk to him about how you feel. John chapter 11, verse 33 to 35 says this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest sentence in the Bible coming up. Jesus wept. We don't read that very many other places at all. We don't read that simple tone, Jesus wept. And he didn't cry because he thought Lazarus was gone. He cares so much about us. He does not like to see us in anguish. He cares about Mary and Martha and what they're going through. And so it touched him to his core this, as he witnesses his profound grief all around him. And he asks, where is he buried? And in verse 35, as I said, we read the shortest verse, Jesus wept. To me, that gives me great comfort. Knowing that my Lord, the Savior of the universe, cares enough about each individual person that he would, he would cry for somebody. Jesus cares about you. He truly cares about, he cares about me. And because he cares about me, I know that I can, I can move forward. Even in the moments when I don't show that faith. Even in the moments when I'm truly, brutally honest with Jesus. And those are the times none of you will ever hear. Maybe you have. I don't know. Kelly has. There's sometimes when I get just brutally honest with God and with Jesus, and I'm just on my knees, and I'm crying out. 
And that's actually some of the most important times in my life when he spoke to me. And he says, this is all for your good. This is all for my good, I mean. You're going you're to grow through this. And so he cried. Through Jesus and his divinity, he knew that he was going to, he knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus. He knew it. But in his humanity, remember we read that Jesus is all God and all man. And that's a confusing thing. But he has a human side too. And he cries. And I think this is something that there's people in here this morning that need to hear that. You need to hear that, that, that Jesus, when you weep, Jesus weeps as well. And when you hurt, Jesus hurts as well. And when your heart breaks, his heart breaks too. Jesus is vested in you and loves you and loves me, loves us. And the scripture tells us that over and over again. And though we live in a world where there's sickness is a reality, it is, isn't it? War is a reality. Heartbreak is a reality. Disappointment is all too common. Relationships are painful. And we have a God who is not, who is not somewhere far off and a, who, is, who is not somewhere and far off. He's there with us. We have a God who enters into our pain in order to bring healing. You know, pain brings healing. Uh, I think it was funny. I'm not going to make too much fun of you, Kelly, but she was doing an exercise class not too long ago, and she was working out, and she came home, and she was fine the first night, but then the next day she's like, it can barely move, you know, like that. Like her whole body was just aching. I was laughing at her, but I should have probably gone too, but I didn't. And... um. And it took her several days, but you know, throughout that, she kept going and working out. She kept doing it, and, and she got stronger. Before you knew it, she, was, she still hurt a little bit, but it got better. You see, pain brings healing. Pain brings strength. It really does. And so in John chapter 11, verses 38 to 44, Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, I want you to know he could have, just, he could have done that himself. Whoop, right? Could have, but he didn't do that. He said, told them to take it away. And Mar- Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. Can you imagine after four days? Yeah. And the New King James, or the King James Bible says, surely he stinketh. And he'd been de- dead for four days. And Jesus said, Derek, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me, and, but I said, this, I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out with his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with the cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus knew he was going to do. Jesus knew the bigger picture. He knew it had to happen this way. He was in his death cloth still. Lazarus wouldn't sit, unwrapping. See, he comes to the tomb and tells people there to remove the stone. As I said, he could have done it. And Jesus was resurrected by a stone being moved away. Remember, his stone was moved away and he came out. It just foreshadows something that was going to happen in the future for Jesus. Martha is instantly concerned about Lazarus and who's been dead for four days and there's no telling what kind of stench would be present. She's so worried. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it's going to be bad. But then Jesus reminds her, hey, have faith and the faith is key in the resurrection hope. 
You have faith in it. So in faith, by faith, we see the glory of God through miracles that can only come by the power and presence of Jesus. And lastly, this is really short, this last one. Jesus brings dead things to life. Did you know that? Jesus brings dead things to life. He prays to God, and he tells Lazarus, come out of the tomb, and miraculously, Lazarus is resurrected from the dead. And he's, he's still wrapped in his death cloth. You know they used to wrap him in cloths when they were in the, put him in the tomb. He was still wrapped in that. And everyone's amazed, and Jesus seems to believe that those who witnessed this miracle would be transformed by this experience. And they were. They were. It was talked about for a long time. As a matter of fact, some people were threatened by it and said, we've got to do something about this guy. We've got to take Lazarus out. No, Lazarus. They wanted to take Lazarus out because Lazarus was living, walking around. He was living proof of what Jesus could do. And some people plotted to get rid of him, too. See? Jesus isn't who he says he is. Lazarus is dead. But no, that's not what happened. And so we know that God, rece- God was going to receive, receive and would receive and does receive all the glory. And now, this kind of story seems to be the theme of Jesus' life and ministry. Do you guys agree with that? He comes to bring new life to everything and to everyone. I want you to go back to a moment, if you've done this already, and I want you to think back to the moment when Jesus brought you back to life. The Bible says that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins before we know Jesus. It says we're walking corpses. We're the walking dead. But then when he comes in, we become a new creature. We become brand new. We're reborn when we realize and we accept Jesus for what he did for us. In this story, Jesus brought this dead man back to life, and in our lives, Jesus can bring that resurrection back to us too. He can resurrect our lives to the places that feel dead to us. He can do that. The joy we have is now, the joy that we have is now there. The, The torment, the anguish is now gone. And the dreams we once had for our future are there. And we can see him. Jesus brings all of that back. The resurrected relationships, the resurrected purpose, the resurrected hope. Jesus can do anything. And it's so that God will receive the glory. Amen. So this morning I want to invite you. Uh, hopefully we still have plenty of them in there. In front of you, there should be a little scrap piece of paper that you can write notes on for yourself. If you don't, grab anything you have right in front of you. If you want to do this. And I want to encourage you and this might be the first time you've ever done this, and your heart may be hurting. You're not alone. I want you to know that Jesus weeps to you. I want you to take that paper, and I want you to write on that paper something that you're thinking about right now. I want you to take it and write on there what you're hurting, what your heart is hurting about right now, and keep it. Because Jesus weeps with you, and keep it with you. See, he sees the bigger picture. And I want you to bring it up. I want, I'm going to ask you to do this. After you've written it, I want you to, you can either bring it up here and pray over it, or you can leave it at the altar and just leave it there with God. I want to encourage you to do that. Don't be embarrassed to do it. This means you're going to have to write something down. It might be something simple like, I lost my job. I don't see any hope. Well, I lost whatever. Or I'm not this. Or whatever it could be. Here's one thing I do know. Almost every single person in this room has a broken relationship with somebody. I promise you that. And, and maybe you want to restore that. 
So as we sing this morning, asking the, the gang to come up and sing, I want to invite you to write on that note, that note card, that piece of paper. I want you to place the pain that you feel on that paper. Write down and bring it to the altar, as I said, and feel free to leave it there or take it home. So I'm going to pray for us as you guys, you guys can write as I'm praying, but I want you to bring it up here. As we're singing, I'm going to stay up here. I have to go write something down myself. I don't even have my paper up here. But I want you to do this because I think if you do it, it's a release. Give it to God. Give it to Jesus, whatever it is. Let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, God, we have immense hope through Jesus' resurrection. God, he conquers death. He conquered sin. He conquered hell. He conquered everything in this world. And Lord, sometimes we cry out, if you'd only been here, Lord. But the thing is, he was. And he is. And so, Lord, I'm praying for everyone in this room that may have whatever struggles they have, whatever pain they're experiencing or are experiencing or have experienced. Maybe it's a loss of a parent and they just don't understand why their parent had to go so soon. Maybe it's a loss of a child or a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, somebody, best friend. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's bad news for them. But whatever it is, God, you can take that pain, you can take that pain away or you can share that pain with them, with us. And so, Lord, thank you that anyone who believes in you, even though he may be dead, will have a resurrection in life. He may have been dead at one point. But those who believe in you, those who believe in you, that you were born, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead three days later, that you resurrected, and you defeated sin, death, and hell once and for all. It's nothing that, it's, it's because we can't do it. We can't save ourselves. And we can't pay enough, we can't do enough, we can't be enough. We need you. And so in this moment of time, I'm praying for those who may have already said yes to you, Jesus, and I'm praying for those who may still have to say yes. May we receive, may they receive your son Jesus as Savior today. May they bring their sorrows up. May they keep their sorrows with them or bring them up or whatever it is and realize you have complete power and control over it all. Lord, thank you. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray and we all say amen. So as we sing our final song, write down your piece of paper. You can either come up here and pray, drop it on there, or you can pray right in front. No embarrassment, no shame. I got to go right my There's nothing 
that have gone on that created deep, deep distrust or whatever they are, God, we give them to you. Lord, because the battle belongs to you. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We can't fight it on our own. 
terms with things on our own. We need you. And so in those moments when we've cried out, God, I don't know where you were. Jesus, why didn't you show up? In truth, you were there the whole time, just waiting for us to turn our hearts to you. And Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room that may have received your son Jesus as Savior God, that they'll tie into that, Lord, that they'll grab a hold of that, the resurrection hope that comes from you. And for those who may not have done that yet, God, I pray that they would do it today. I pray that they'd pray a prayer, something like this, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come in my life and save me. Jesus, I turn from my sin and I turn to you. I know that you're perfect and your timing is perfect. So God, thank you. Thank you. Lord, I pray this for everyone in this room. And I pray that you keep us all safe as we go to the different places we're going to go this afternoon. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray and everyone says. Don't forget if you're at part of the school district, uh, we'd like to have lunch for you over here in the gym right next door. So you guys are dismissed. So when I fight, I will fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, battle belongs to you Every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, battle belongs to you Belongs to you.